0: Infinite Scope is an organization that is dedicated to serving the community locally, nationally, and internationally. We do this through connecting people to resources, by providing educational and leadership training, as well as meeting the need through tools and skills within our organization. We serve individuals. However, what makes us unique is that our goal is to serve other nonprofit organizations as well. We believe that serving our world should not be limited by minimum or maximum requirements, but should be done through the lens of serving all. There are infinite solutions for community needs. The goal of our podcast is to connect people with other like-minded individuals who are doing the work in various ways to impact the world around them. Join us as we talk with some amazing servant leaders who will also teach you how they impact others. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Infinite Scope. Um, Today, we have uh, one of my favorite, if not the favorite, former supervisors uh, in my life. She has been more than a supervisor, a mentor, a friend, a sister. Uh, She is family to my family. Uh, I truly, um, when I, I can't think of, most things in my adult life uh, without thinking about either something that she has told me or shown me or been there uh, for uh, my family and I. And so we're just grateful to have her on. And as I told you, there there are certain episodes that Marie is going to jump on. And this is one of those important episodes to jump on because of what Angela M. Jackson uh, means to us and um, our family and uh, so we're going to get started uh, with her introducing herself and telling us a little bit about who she is.
1: Hi, I am so appreciative of the Brumfield um, asking me to be a part of this podcast. I'm always super inspired by their enthusiasm, their love for the community. And so I'm just happy to be able to be a part of this. Uh, they are definitely two very inspirational people and just have like a heart for people so the fact that that my heart matches with their heart is is yes on spot my name is as anthony said i'm as M. jackson McPetla. i'm from lexington virginia a small town but i don't think that i have a small town mindset i i like to think that i'm a big town person but just a heart for like the small things and the small details. I have, I went to Rafford University where I have a, a marketing degree from Rafford and then I got my master's at East Tennessee State. Then I did some corporate sales work, but I also spent the majority of my time working in higher ed where I met Anthony and Marie um, at Longwood University in Farmville, Virginia, another small town. But you know, big cow mentality. So then, after being in long, being at Longwood and in Farmville, um, I moved from there into Uganda, uh, where I started doing mission work. I am a signature in the world, and I don't know what else I, I need to say in terms of like my introduction. Oh, other than uh, my personal mission statement is to make a positive impact no matter where I go, to be the love and light of Christ, to treat all people with fairness, and to have fun to be fashionable while I'm doing it. So, yes, yeah, that's me. <laughs> love
2: it.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. That is Angela to a T. She will be fun and fashionable in everything that she does. Uh, she's one of the few people that can challenge you and make you laugh at the same time <laughs> while, while it's happening. Like you know, like. Um, you need to do this better and then you're like wait I just I, I need to be better but I'm laughing what's going on here like <laughs> she has such such a great great presence as you can already tell um so uh as she said we met at Longwood um and then just our relationship has grown since then uh I mean what it's been 12 12 years now that we've known each other um and uh I still remember that fateful day that I came to interview. Um, and uh, how fun. It was just fun from the beginning. Um, and staying in Lancer Park is the apartment that I, I stayed in for the interview, which ended up being the apartments that I first uh, was over, that I first was over. Uh, and I remember leaving from there just from meeting you and some other people. But I, 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 you were the staple of all of it. That um got me to want to be there and feel like that that was home, like that's where I needed to be. Um, I had another job offer from a different place, and I didn't want like I didn't want I had a job offer from George Mason, and like you said, small town, big city. I was like, man, that's D.C. You know, we we oh, okay. Okay. yeah yeah I I had I had a job offer. They offered me the job before uh, I got called from Larry uh and i actually called larry and was like hey just so you know i have a job offer but i really want to be with y'all like can i can i know anything so it, it was definitely uh a fun time and i but i know that i've made the right choice by being at longwood um and uh so i i just thank you for that and that's
1: I no problem. I, I mean, it's funny because I was thinking, I was telling my coworker when you asked me about the podcast, I was really excited, and I said, oh, I remember this guy when he came, like, you know, he just got married, and he asked me if I had an iron. Who comes to an interview and asks for an iron? Like, we were just cool. Like, I mean, he was just like, hey, uh, can I, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, sure. Um, so, like, I, I very much remember your interview and like going through, like driving through Farmville, like going by the church, uh, trying to make our small town look big. (laughs) And just like selling community aspect. That You know, no matter where you are, I think just having a a community and people that you can connect with uh, is really crucial. And that's definitely something that I like loved and appreciated about being in Farmville and, and just having you guys there. Um, I mean, as much as I was a supervisor, like you said, we were friends, so I'm just like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm coming over, and y'all are like, oh, okay, she's coming over, uh, or I wouldn't say I'm coming over, I just be over, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I appreciate that community, and even now, I, I mean, I feel if, if I'm in America, I could just, like, show up at y'all's house and y'all be like, oh, okay, after the over.
0: moment. Yeah. Yes, we would. I mean, yeah. yeah, like come on over. Um I mean, when you when you really look at our, our still, if you still look at our house, still majority of our furniture is the furniture you gave us. <laughs> <laughs> we still have the, the bed. Yes. So um yeah, so that that's great. And 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 speaking of like just thinking about the furniture, all that stuff, like when you were making that transition, what what made the transition for you to go into mission work? Like what, talk about that story that got you to go into it.
1: Sure. Um, like at the point that I decided to to go into mission work, I, in November of 2011, I guess I told like uh, my boss, I told like Larry, you know, hey, I don't think that I, I think I want to change. So I actually had put in my resignation Uh, before I even knew what I was going to be doing. And it was just more of a situation where I felt I had been at the school for like nine years, really felt that I had done the things that I needed to do. I had made those contributions. Um, It is the one and only time where I've had a job where I was just told, like, I mean, Larry said, take your job description, look at the whole department, write your own job description, whatever you want to do, the things that you don't like to do, take them out, whatever you wanna do, we'll make that happen. And that was really nice and it was really encouraging and I knew that I, like that people wanted me to be there, but I just felt I needed to do something different. So I guess it was definitely a step of faith to say, hey, I'm gonna do something else. Uh, I interviewed for a few jobs, I had some job offers as well, but one day we actually, you and I were walking and we saw a former student, uh, Mallory, who was a former basketball player, and her best friend, Katie. And so, you know, she had just graduated in May. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? I, she said, oh, I'm going on a mission trip. I'm going to do uh, for six months. And I'm like, where are you going? And she was like, Africa. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've always wanted to do a mission trip. And you're going to Africa? And she was like, yeah, you should come. Some students are coming in December. And I think this was kind of like in October. And I was like, oh, OK, that's cool. Um, and I really suck with, like, names. I don't remember people's names, but I have code names for everyone and I know who they are and I can describe them and you probably know who they are. So they were with this other girl um, who is Shannon, who is the Zeta, but she wasn't the Zeta at the time. And I was like, I'm like, Brummy, you know that girl that always smelled like the hippie powder? Uh, she's going on a trip. <laughs> I can't remember her name. <laughs> and so like, a, you know, the good thing about being at a small school is everybody knows each other and we sorted out and found uh, the students who were going. So they were like, hey, you can come. You can, we've been fundraising together, but you'll need to fundraise on your own because we've kind of so far along in the process. They had been planning for a bit. I was like, no problem. So I just sent out an email and said, hey, if you know 50 people give me $20 or something. I don't even know what the number was, but I was like, this is what I need you know, to get the, all the vaccinations, like the flight, like the whole cost of the trip. And before my deadline, I already had that. Um I already had over that m- amount of money. Then I just sent out emails because we were collecting things to, we were going for a short-term trip in December, like December, January for about 15 or 16 days. And so, we, I mean, my office was full of stuff, like people who don't, who you wouldn't expect, like, athletes, the baseball team, like the athletic director, people just really got engaged and, you know, brought donations. Um my church at home, uh, you know, my church district people like really took to wanting to support like the mission work. And I don't know if it was the fact that because people were going and kids and students were collecting stuff, but I literally had like two carloads of like donations that I had to take. Um So that we can bring them to Uganda. I think for me, a big part of it was just the fact that some people rallied around the trip because, I don't know, maybe because it's a person of color. Like, I don't think that you see people of color, like going outside their comfort zone. Uh, You know, even when I was there short term in Uganda, people had, we were working with street kids. Um, and street boys and, and boys who had been on the street and who were then in a group home. And like, I was the first Black American that people had seen, and they were like, No, where's your mom from? No, where's your grandma from? Because as people of color, we don't go outside of our comfort zone. And I was looking up, you know, just in terms of like, how do you define a missionary? Uh, it's a person who puts Christ first and goes outside their comfort zone uh, to live interculturally.
0: Hey! If you are loving what you are hearing, don't forget to follow us on all our social media: Facebook, Infinite Scope, and on IG at Infinite Scope. Now let's jump back into conversation with Anthony and Marie Bromfield.
1: No, I so I did that, and it was like great. And when I came back, it's really funny because the Vice President of the Student Affairs, Dr. Pearson, was like, "And Dr. Pearson's voice, because I just need to move voices. Ah, something's different. I don't think you're gonna be here." Um, <laughs> Very different about you, and even like my boss, who's it's not necessarily like uh, my boss was like, I think I'm going to be sending your Christmas card to somewhere out of the country, you know. So I didn't even know what I was going to do, but like people saw this transformation uh, Mm -hmm. that happened in this small period. And I think when you do mission work, a lot of times it does become something that has more of an impact on you. You think that you're going to give to a community, but a lot of times, like. I, I felt in my situation, we definitely received more from that um, community. And it was just in a time when like my mom had passed away, like a lot of different things that happened. So I really needed uh, that experience and that opportunity and that healing, uh, meeting kids who were living on the streets who were like, you know, 10 and 12 years old who didn't have a parent at all, you know, and I, it, it really made me reflect, hey, I am... I won't discuss my age, but I'm much older than 11. And <laughs> I had a long time with my parents. And so, you know, can I really continue to sit around and be in a state of like despair and sadness because, you know, like my mom's passed away or this person has passed away. And not that you can't be sad about those things, but like, you know, getting a grip and realizing, whoa, there's someone in like a worse situation, you know, than I am in like this this 11-year-old boy named Henry was on the street and he came because he had someone had like stabbed him and he was getting like treatment from us at the medical thing and you know and both of his parents had died and he was just living on the street and it really made a significant impact on me like, okay, you, you need to get your act together um, and kind of move on. So yeah, I think that that's what what drew me. And then I was looking, like I said, I had interviewed for positions So I came back in January, I came back to work. My contract was up in like July. I didn't know exactly what I was gonna do. I had like an offer in Afghanistan. I had an offer in China. Um, And then I was on my way to um, a recruitment event for international schools. And I got an email from from Mallory and from Katie saying, would you come and, and like serve with us for a year to help us with this organization? And while I had been in Uganda on the short term trip, um, the Lord had just placed on their heart to open a home for like street boys and not just any street boys, but the boys they wanted to take were the people who had aged out, like, you know, because people want to take kids off the street who are younger. um, But once you kind of get to that 11, 12 year old age, it's like, eh, you know, and then the boys they wanted, like we, you know, had a boy with like, who was HIV positive, um, like, you know, a boy who used to come with a knife every day and like threaten us, a boy who had anger issues and, you know, was like setting stuff on fire all the time. So it wasn't just like, you know, hey, like like the nice little kids that you see, like, oh, he's so cute. No, it was like the rough people. And um, I was there when they called their parents to say, we're not coming back from like six months, we're going to stay, the Lord has told us to open up this home for street kids. And their parents thinking like you just graduated from college you know you have job find up and stuff so when they sent me this email i was in the atlanta airport on a layover and i just remember like i'm not really a crier and i remember like crying and being like okay i want to do this like i want to go and raise support i want to go and raise money and go to uganda and that was like the one position that my family was just like you know my cousin said i mean everyone knew you were going back to uganda you're like a stalker on facebook like stalking street kids
2: (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <And> once,
1: <laughs> I, versus when I said Afghanistan, I was like, Afghanistan, what? What are you What are you talking about? Uh, so, you know, and if you look at like the position, um, like I said, I had an offer in China, like I interviewed, they actually offered me the position uh, on the spot, which was really interesting because I asked, how long will you know? And like the committee, they all kind of went off the screen and like spoke something and then all the heads popped back up and they're like, oh, we really like you. We want you to come. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so I remember telling like Larry after the interview, he was like, How did it go? And I was like, I got a job offer, but I'm not even sure if I took it. You know, <laughs> he was like, Okay, you don't have a contract, you didn't take a job. And so when I was like, I let them know, I didn't think I was going to take it. They're like, Do you need more money? And I was like, Oh, wow. Um, and then with Afghanistan, like you know, everything about the position was what I wanted. It was like everything that I loved doing about like my job. Um, And then I'm like, "Ah, the money was good, but then you had to share a house. And then when I asked the question of how many Black people do you see or are there Black people there? And it it was a whole panel of people, like three or four people, and they were all puzzled like, oh, I wasn't sure. And I'm like, what do you mean? I I didn't say it like that. But I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. and All right. And then they told me, you know, I would have to have, like, a driver, and I couldn't kind of go out and do things on my own, and uh, Marie and Anthony very much know that I'm very independent, and I need to have my freedom, and so I was like, Ugh. So um, it was just kind of, like, small things, probably eliminating, like, those those job placements for me to go and do mission work. It's interesting, because when I got to Uganda, um, like, the job, some people from that university in Afghanistan were out and there was like a bombing and like a couple people from the institution um, lost their lives and you know and uh, it just really made me think like okay the Lord has set this up for me um, because of my independence because like I'm like to go out and explore you know I could have very well been one of those people <laughs> uh, out but yeah that's how I got to Uganda um, I signed up for like a year and now I came in July 20, I came in July 2012 to Uganda. And now it's uh May 2021. So I always say either I don't know how to do math or God's timing and my
0: time is two different things. So yeah. Let's go with number two. <laughs> um God's timing and your time. And I think we all experienced that uh because 2012, I I think we will say the same thing. 2012, when we made the decision to transition, you know, and it was a it was a leap of faith, right? Like I had just moved over to the diversity office. Um and when I made the decision to to leave, they even offered me more money and a position change. Um, with and that and they had just hired me in the position, right? Um so but yeah, like I, I yeah, I get it. And nine years later, here we go. Like you, and the whole transition to North Carolina was supposed to be, at least boom, was supposed to be just for a second. You know, like, all right, this is just to get my foot back in the door and then go from there. But here we are nine years later, right? Um, So thinking of that, right? So would you consider mission work more of like a moment or like, that like how you're doing it right or is it or is it more of a lifestyle how would you describe it
1: i thought that was a really great question i think that we all have to think about the fact that you know uh in matthew 28 like 19 and 20 it says to go out and like make disciples Mm -hmm. and so making disciples it doesn't say go to africa it doesn't say go it's just go out and make disciples to make followers you know like, uh, deny yourself and, and pick up the cross and follow me. So that could be at the Walmart. I mean, like, our our role as as believers is to make disciples, you know, like, the role of a missionary is to disciple, to make other people become disciples. So I think that it's something is, if you're a believer, like, that's just, like, that's the command. That's what we're supposed to do. And I think people get really caught up and like oh i can't be a missionary because i got kids and i can't go to saudi arabia and i can't go to africa and i can't go but yeah you have kids and you take them to walmart and you take them to like play dates and you take them to other places where people are not believers so i think that that's something if you're a believer like that's your role that's their responsibility that's like the command for us to do now some people like myself yeah you know i've stretched out and gone I mean, I've moved to Africa, but I really feel in, you know, before I worked at Longwood, um, I worked in sales, in graduate school, I was a hall director for like a building of like 450 freshman girls. Like my responsibility was to make disciples, was to, as my mission statement says, to be by the might light of Christ or, you know, in those situations, And I think that when I was at Longwood, I was doing some type of mission work. Uh, my boss always used to say, you love the people who are kind of like off the grid, like, you know, this, the athletes who kind of just were like the rebellious people are, I mean, going to work with, you know, the, um, the fraternity that had been, who was illegally functioning because they had been kicked off the of campus. Like, those are my people. Um, so... I, that was mission work, you know? No one would be like, no one was giving me donations to go and do that, but that was that was my purpose there. That was what I was supposed to be doing. And I mean, granted, like some of those people are now outstanding people in the community and I'm still friends with them and I'm like, oh, look. Uh, even when, even at one point when I was asked about being like a house parent over uh, like, cause now I'm at a boarding school, and to be a house fan. And I was like, oh, it's the same thing. I mean, I used to work with like fraternity boys. This is just 12 year old boys and they're not legal to drink. It's the same This is, I mean, they all act the same. They just brown, they was white. Um, okay. <laughs> so I think that no matter what you do, like it's your responsibility to, you have to think in terms of being a missionary one, that you're going to put Christ first, two, that you know, you're gonna let the Holy Spirit lead you. There you. That you're making disciples and for like you have to go outside your comfort zone. Because for me, no one knows me here. So I can say whatever. I mean, now people know me because I've been here for a bit. But when I first went, but when you go to like the play date, people know the Brumfields. So they're gonna be like, hey, what? Jesus who? Um, y'all you're acting really like Christ like yeah. <laughs> I think it's harder to be a missionary in the place where you're from mm. you know like when you're in the Walmart parking lot and somebody like takes their parking space and it's like raining and then you flip them off like that's probably not like missionary status maybe you could do something different because <laughs> then if you go in the store and try giving give them a track they're going to be like hmm oh. <laughs> I just tracked you, putting me off. Um, So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely like a lifestyle. And I think that people just have to own that and don't look at like me or someone who's, you know, in the mission field, because we're all in the mission field. It's just like how you choose to make that work in the area that you're in. Like yeah. at the hotel, there are people at the hotel that are coming in, in and out, you know, like that's your field. What are you doing? Like, how are you, how are you representing Christ? How are you making disciples? And that, and, and I mean, I understand that like in America, like one of the things that I do enjoy about being in Africa is that, you know, when I was working at the school, it's fine to say, hey, can we pray together? Can we, you know, I mean, even at the school, kids are like, "Oh, we're gonna have a fast," and, and, and students are like, "Oh, can we participate in the fast?" And like, a yeah, yeah. kid just asked me in an interview actually this week, uh, "Do people like to pray there?" I love to pray. Can I? And I'm like, "In America, you not necessarily don't hear that. Um, you know, separation of church and state. Even if you know we have so many restrictions and limitations, and we become confined in those boxes." But the Lord always opens up an opportunity for us to do something. So, like, even at the hotel, there opportunity. opportunities. Uh, my aunt always used to say, You don't have to wear a sign on your back that says, like, I love Jesus. People should just be able to see that. People should come into the hotel and be like, Well, this dude is different. Like, what's going on with him? You know, when Marie goes to like a family to visit him, oh, she's, diff- she's a different caseworker than we've had before. Like, why is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That's good. That's a really great reminder of how, because I think Anthony and I have talked multiple times about like doing mission work within the country, within our own town, within our own community, Um, but I think hearing it now from you, Angela, just a whole, I guess, a reminder of your perspective on that too, of like, it also can be as simple as on our jobs, like connecting with people and showing that love. So, I appreciate that reminder.
1: I mean and think about like it's it's a bit easy. You don't have to fundraise for that. If you at work, you already get paid too. Um, you, you just gotta drive to like where you're supposed to be. You'll have to have no jet lag, I mean no adjustment to different food. You just have
2: to go outside of your comfort zone and um and, and speak. Yes. Um, I did have one other question for you. Um So now you're working at a school. And I'm just wondering, is that, I guess, is a multi-phase question. Is that still connected to your mission work? And then secondly, um, if it is or if it's not, I guess, what are your other ways that you connect with the community, I guess, in general, as a whole, um, outside of the school, outside of your work? Sure.
1: When I first came and started doing mission work, I came. I went to Uganda, and uh, like I said, I was working with street kids, and so it was definitely kind of like uh, hands-on, like down and dirty. Um, I ran a school, and I ran a school for children uh, in an underprivileged area, uh, if I'm being PC. Okay, so I ran a school for kids in the slums, um, or underprivileged area. Um, so I was running a school for kids who, you know, some kids had not been to school for years. Some kids are... You know, like living in a one room, uh, like a room that's smaller than your living room. You know, like a family of like five or six. Um, and so, and, and parents are just really struggling to to have an opportunity for their kids to learn. And I, I do think we have to think as Westerners and as Black people, like kids are eager to go to school. Like that's like such a press for them. And then when you look at school systems in the state, you're like, what in the world? Now, COVID has put some people on the same level because if you have to be online, like, I mean, kids all over the place are like, oh, I don't want to do (laughs) online. But, you know, kids are so eager to want to go to school. And now I'm in Kenya. And so I work at a boarding school in the complete life opposite of what I was working at in Uganda. So I work at a boarding school, which is outside of our culture um, as Americans, because they're kids. We start boarding kids as early as like five years and nine months. Uh, so we have some small people and they just returned to school today, actually, after a small little holiday and lockdown. Uh, and then we even have, like, yeah, so some tiny, tiny people. And I'm thinking, you can't even tie your shoe. You haven't even lost your first tooth. Ah. Um, so it's very different from the work that I was doing in Uganda because the children that are coming here, they're saying we have money to provide them this education uh, because boarding school, like I want to say, you know, like school fees are starting out, um, for boarding, yeah, a bit about like $12,000 a year, huh. you know, and that, you know, and, and sometimes I'm looking at that. Like, wow! You see it like that. That's an undergraduate degree at the state institution, and you know, if you start out going, if you start out here in like first grade, second grade, all the way through high school, I'm like, you can have a master's, a PhD, go back for another um, bachelor's degree. Like all that money. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing that the thing that I found in common is when I was working at the school in Uganda, and parents. Of you know, parents would say, oh, I don't know what time Anthony gets to school because I have to get up really early because I have to go and search for money, look for money because it's a culture where people are living like day to day. You know, you go out and you earn the money so that you can get food to bring home for the day. And then when I came here, like some kids are in, are at this school because their parents have big high paying jobs. And in the same essence, their parents are searching for money. Like they have the opportunity, they have the job. So, you know, where's like, so the common distance, Connect and the common factor is like we kind of put our kids in a place where we're searching for money, and I, of course, you want to offer your kids like the best that you can have. And, and I do understand why some people, uh, why some of the, our students are here because of boarding, because you know maybe their families work for the UN and they are located in an unfamily, unfriendly, unfamily-friendly territory. So you're in like a kind of like a war torn territory and there's no school for your kids there. So, you know, do you have like a housekeeper stay with your kids? You can't really monitor. Do you bring them to boarding school? You know, there are trained professionals like our school is 90 years old. So, you know, that there's a standard Mm -hmm. um, and your kids will be safe. So I don't still. I'm still I still do some things with the school in Uganda. Um, I would say that this is a different like, mission opportunity. I will, I know that you guys will be surprised, but when, when I first came here, it was a bit intimidating uh, just to be like, wow, like these people are really wealthy. Like, what am I going to contribute here? It, it was a bit like, uh, and I was used to just working with kids who didn't have anything. So it was like, uh, it was a transition for me as well. And um, I still think that it's a mission opportunity. Now I work at the boarding school and my role here is admissions and so coming from America where you know I knew like what three kids who went to boarding um one because their parents didn't really have time for them and all the rest were at like military boarding school because they were too bad and got kicked out of all the schools so I'm like uh um, so coming here where like boarding is a big thing was an adjustment for me so it's it's kind of funny that I'm the person trying to get people to bring their six-year-olds to board when I come from a culture where boarding isn't a thing, but I have seen the transformation of children here and it is a Christian school as well. So we still have the opportunity to, um, to spiritually invest in them and to teach them, uh, skills that, you know, to be leaders and to be Christian leaders. And a lot of my opportunity is working with parents, um, it's looking at the school and 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 yet again when parents come for like a tour and they bring their kids for testing and stuff like a lot of times i will say can we just pray before you go because maybe this is the right place for you maybe this isn't and i don't think that that is something i would be able to do if i was in america so it is definitely like a different um, mission situation because kids are avoiding i do think that some of the mission to assist you know, like seeing people like a lot of the kids, they're like, oh, look what you have on today. So they they understand my phone, they're fashionable. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh goodness. Um, so uh now as, as we're we're getting close to wrap up on the show. I have another question that you have. Um is there anything that you would like to share? with the group, um, with the people that will be listening, um, any nuggets or anything that you want to do. And then also you can share how they can find you on social media and and follow you and support you as you continue on your mission journey.
1: Sure. Um, Let me see. I always like to have a takeaway, but usually my takeaways are um, like a tangible takeaway, but let's have some verbal takeaways. I think the takeaway that I hope that you have is just believing yourself and, and and know that you have something to give. You know, I mean, in the time of like COVID, in a time where there's so much like racial injustice, and you're just thinking like I'm spent. I, I don't, you know, like maybe you lost a job, maybe you're just like I'm so set up of looking at the news, like. You know, brown people are brown. If you brown, you put down, but no, like you know there's something that we all have within us uh, that someone needs. And so like my takeaway is just to remember that like something in you someone else needs. Uh, you know, whether it's just you saying hello and speaking, whether it's just you having like some crazy hairstyle and someone's like, oh, okay. and you have that opportunity to like talk to them and share. Um, like there's something in you that someone else needs and just don't, don't allow yourself to become so consumed with what you don't have and that that you haven't realized, like that you have, like, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe you don't have a great credit score, maybe you don't have a house, maybe your car is real busted. Um, but it's something in you that someone needs. And so that would be my takeaway for that. And just to stand firm, stand firm on what you have. You know, you know your strengths. You know what you enjoy. You know what you're passionate about. Use that as your as your way in to to share with someone and to make to make a disciple. In terms of like following me, Angela M Jackson Facebook, Angela M Jackson Instagram. Um, yeah. And you know, sometimes I like to just do these little challenges. So maybe you can take up like a challenge. Um, We've done new recipes during the pandemic, but I had to back off that because then I was getting like new waistline sizes. So, you know, I had to go on like a challenge of exercising. Uh, jumpsuits for five days. uh, African print for five days. May is skin cancer awareness month. The colors are red and white. So, you know, protect your skin, even as brown people. Brown, black, yellow, green, pink, whatever color you are, check out your skin, protect mm-hmm. your skin, be safe, wear a hat, this is summertime, look for shade between 10 and 4. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh,
1: goodness. And, and my last thing is, like, support the Brumfields. Uh, really, you know, connect with them. They're, they're awesome people and they're doing big things. Uh, not just in boom and not just in their family, but you know they're they're a couple who's gonna pray for you um, and support you and, and challenge you and they really they're cool people.
0: Oh, uh, thank thank you, yeah, uh, thank you so. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, know uh, are. Are. you know how we are. We uh, you know, although I'm extroverted and I don't mind talking and all that other stuff. You know, I don't like the spotlight on me and Marie definitely doesn't like the spotlight on her. But we are are grateful for you. We're grateful that you took the time out um, to sit and talk with us and just share your heart and what you do. Um, Because everybody that we've interviewed, we feel um, has the same heart and mindset of what Infinite Scope is all about. Um, And just the fact that you're doing mission work across the the states, but then you can even, not the states, but across the the, the waters, the international waters, and and doing it uh, not here, but also can can continue to remind people to focus on where you're at. It's just so key. And and we're thankful for that. Um, As I said, please, please support Angela. Um, Follow her on things. Or when she's doing fundraising, give to it. Um, do do whatever. And we'll have stuff uh posted when we when we have this uh posted on the podcast site of ways to follow her as well. Um, but once again, we're thankful for you. We love you. Um and for everybody that's tuning in. Uh thank you all again for tuning in tonight. I mean, today, tonight, whenever you decided to listen, uh and uh we're grateful for you. Thank you. We hope that we have connected you to a new resource, a new way of thinking, or simply encouraged you. As we continue to prepare to serve those around us, we ask that you partner with us. You can do this financially or coming along and volunteering in other capacities. If you are interested in partnering with us, please email anthony at infinitescope.org. Remember, follow the highway and you'll probably arrive at a destination follow your heart and you may leave a trail in service and solidarity i am anthony brumfield thank you for listening